Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to today's program. Um, We don't have that many programs left this school year. I think three, including today. Um, And we're going to spend as much time as we can during our remaining three programs with the uh, staff at Anytown High School. And today is an Anytown High School day, so we're going to be checking in for the entire program to find out how things are going with implementing collaborative problem solving at Anytown High. Uh, Once again, this is a real high school uh, with real staff and real kids who were trying to implement Plan B with, and of course, uh, Anytown is still relatively early in the process, um, still getting their feet wet with Plan B and still dealing with some of the things that come up when um, we are learning how to do Plan B and starting to think about what this would look like in a building if we were to do this on a large scale. So today, not the ideal for people to call in um, but a great day for us to get back together with the very good folks and very brave folks at Anytown High School. I'm constantly reminded before I bring them on the air of just how hard it is to be parenting or teaching or working with a student or kid with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. Uh, We never want to lose sight of the fact that the work is hard and um, how much courage it takes to try to do something that isn't what we usually do. Uh, Along those lines, welcome to the program, Anytown High School. Thank you. Uh, So we're going to jump right in and um, tell us, how are you doing with this stuff? And we've got two students who are trying to do Plan B with at this point. Um, But before we start with those two students, any general questions? about what this is supposed to look like, et cetera. Um, at some point, this is Marisol. Dr. Green, at some point, I know that we are interested in talking a little bit more specifically about logistics within our own school and just maybe hearing from you how you might see 
the teams working with this and, and just sort of starting to break it down a bit more with the yep. anticipation of the implementation of this, you know, for next year. Got it. And um, number one, you all, we haven't talked about this yet, but you all are welcome to continue this into next school year if you wish. Um, I'm getting some wonderful feedback from people who are listening to these programs uh, about how much they're learning from you all in terms of what this would look like in a school building. Um, but just to – and number two, it's actually a very good sign that you are already thinking about the next step. Um, what we're doing at the moment is getting your core group good at this, and as people are starting to get their feet wet with Plan B, and as people are starting to feel some sense that this is actually something that they could do and that it's effective, then attention almost immediately turns to, all right, we've got a lot of kids in this building who could benefit from this, and we have a lot of staff in our building who could benefit from this. Um, what's the next step look like? I'm always, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm happy, of course, to begin talking about that. I must say, I tend to be the one who is slowing things down a little bit because I get it. You know, the truth is, as, as a school staff is learning about collaborative problem solving, and it's usually a small number of school staff in the beginning, you know, life outside the Plan B territories is going on in the rest of the building, and it's very natural for people who are learning how to do Plan B to then start to really notice, my goodness, well, that, you know, we should be doing it with him and not only with him, with her and with this kid and with that kid and with this teacher. Um, I'm, always, I, I'm always grateful that people want to start expanding it. I just like to make sure we start expanding it when we're ready, but we can always talk about that. Okay. Um, but now that doesn't – my desire to slow it down doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it now, but – I'm thinking let's jump in on these two students that we've been talking about so far, and then maybe we either save it for the end of today's program or, um, and we haven't talked about this yet either in terms of how many more Mondays you all are going to be available before the end of Mar uh, May um, because the program officially ends at the end of May. Then we take some time off to refresh our batteries and then we um, to recharge our batteries and then we uh, pick it up again in September. But uh, should we should we get an update on the students who you've been trying to do Plan B with? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, since we last talked with you, Dr. Green, um, Victoria Wilfred and I, um, this is Ellen. We met a couple of times prior to talking with Connor. Um, and we discussed more fully the issues that we saw with him and even had um, another teacher bring in some examples of work and missing pieces to the work so we had a, a better handle on where we felt he was coming from. Um, then we, we figured out kind of a crafty way to get him to sit down with us, um, Wilfred actually handled that, and I'll let him speak. This is Wilfred, the school counselor, and we, we did actually have a hook in with, with Connor already because he had come to me a while back saying, uh, uh, Mr. whatever my last name is supposed to be here, um, 
<laughs> it's not good when we forget our assumed names, isn't it? Yeah, I think you just have a first name, Wilfred. Mr. Mr. Wilfred, um, uh, can you tell me where I stand with you know my with with where I actually what credits I have and what I've failed because kids lose track of that. He's a he's a second year student, and um, so I had gone through all of his work and 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 put out on a chart as to where he stood, and so we, I was able to uh, uh, you know. Contact him and say, uh, Connor, um, how about we, um, you know, we take a look at the uh, results of the uh, assessment that I made. And um, he said, Great. So I started, and we all had it. We had a whole plan that the that uh, Victoria and Ellen were going to join us if uh, if he was ready for it. So he and I met, and I said, You know, Connor, I, I can share this all with you, and I have it right here, but you know what? I was wondering if you would be interested in taking a look uh, at actually what what's been causing you to fail some of these classes. Um, yeah, you know, we can certainly look at what you failed and what you need to make up, and we'll do that. But what about that together, trying to figure out what you can perhaps do differently so that you don't be failing anymore? And he really liked the idea. And I said, Well, I actually have. Your teachers, uh, Victoria and Ellen, Ellen, lined up to 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 join us if you wish. To sure, bring on, bring it on. So it was it was really perfect, um, um, and he he went for it. So so we all got together and. Yeah, I mean the great part about the Plan B that we did is that Connor was very receptive to it. Number one, and uh, number two, I as as opposed to other conversations with students. It wasn't, this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you need to do to fix it. It was, this is a problem that we see happening. Do you see that as a problem? And he did acknowledge it as a problem, and, and he actually told us why he was having difficulties with these certain skills. Like, he, he was able to identify them and, and talk about why those skills are difficult for him. So, I mean, this, it was just very, I don't know if it's odd, but it was just very, you know, different. For a first time for us, it yeah. actually it it made it very smooth, and it really the the whole plan B started out very very well, very well. We had a fantastic meeting with him, and we noticed right away that he was definitely trying to put in place some of the suggestions that we made. To get a little specific, uh, we had you know identified up front what we thought some of his unsolved problems were, that he always forgets to take the necessary steps in problem solving, that he has difficulty completing any work, and that even with, with prompting, uh, he tends to not get his work done. And um, But we hardly even had to bring that up with him. We sort of alluded to some of what we saw going on, and we asked him, what, well, what do you think the problem might be, Connor? And he says, I get distracted in class by other kids. I'm, I don't pay attention, and I lose focus on what I'm doing, and I end up not even listening to what's going on. So uh, we were able to wow. go from there to actually identifying strategies, and we asked him, well, do you have any ideas how we could solve this? And we together came up with uh, a teacher just uh, sort of, um, uh, without attracting attention to him, just tapping on his desk if we notice that he's not paying attention. He talked about relocating his seat so he yep. gets away from some of the kids who are uh, he finds distracting. 
And so we've been talking, and these uh, these uh, have been implemented, and they seem to be working. There's one thing that he still is in denial about, and that's the need to take notes when he when he thinks that he knows what's going on. He tends to, and he's actually been approached by this. And he says, "Yeah, but I know it." So we have talked about this, and we're going to have to revisit it with him. That sounds outstanding, however. And I'm glad you said that last part because a lot of people feel that um, they do Plan B once, they're very enthusiastic about it, and they feel like they're done. When, in fact, problem-solving tends to be incremental, uh, uneven, messy, jagged, and so I am ecstatic that you have had an initial um, outstanding experience in using Plan B with um, Connor, and um, it won't always go this well. Yeah, <laughs> so we realize that, but you know, for our first time, it really makes us think that this could work on a you know a slightly larger scale. Right. I mean, and I think um, a lot of it had to do with Connor's positive attitude. I don't know if some if there was a student that was more impulsive and a little bit had like a little bit more of a negative outlook. Connor has just such a positive outlook on life. Uh, so I think that that helped. He also has behavior that tends towards a more mature mm -hmm. level, mm -hmm. and I think that makes a big difference between him and T. Although I don't know T personally, from what I've been listening to, I, I think we're talking about two very very different personalities yeah. and kids. Mm -hmm. You know, but despite the different personalities, it was felt that Connor could really benefit from the right. team really analyzing what was really causing and creating this environment where he was capable but was failing. Right. right. And I, th I think one of the things that we have to think about is that when we do this, to take the time to analyze where a student is, it is time-consuming. Mm. You know, it's very time-consuming. And when you have a team of 100 kids, you know, you've got to kind of pick and choose. You, you, that's going to be a tough thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and before I, uh, I I work with several inpatient units, and one of them recently raised the issue of, my goodness, this Plan B takes a lot of time. And my response was the same as my response always is, and that is, if we don't put the time in, and this, I hate to say it, but this is actually a fairly common scenario. If we don't put the time in, to fully understand what's getting in a kid's way, then we will try to solve the problem without really knowing what the problem is. And then the problem won't get solved. And so there's no question about it. That empathy step and, you know, this can feel especially overwhelming when you take a look at how many kids you have whose unsolved problems have been unsolved for such a long time. You all are a grade 9, 10 school, yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, many of the kids in your school, the unsolved problems that are continuing to trip them up, have been in place for a very long time. Right. right. And as I always say, if, if an unsolved, you know, as the demands of the environment increase, the number of unsolved problems a kid has simply increase, 
So the pile of unsolved problems simply grows because all of those prior unsolved problems never got solved and new ones are being added. And Mm. so this is the point at which, as people are starting to get a feel for the empathy step and for plan B and even starting to experience success with it, uh, they immediately start thinking about, oh, my goodness, how this was good. Now, how are we going to do this with all the kids who we are now coming to realize need us to be doing this with them? And then we get overwhelmed mm-hmm. when the reality is, um, number one, I'm always grateful for enthusiasm about Plan B, always happy for people to discover just how rich the information and informative the information is that we gather in the empathy step. I'm always sitting there myself with trying to keep my jaw from dropping open as I'm gathering information and truly understanding what's been getting in this kid's way. Mm-hmm. Um, while I appreciate the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm can lead to feelings of being overwhelmed because we start to think about all the kids in the building who really need us to do this. You're right. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to prioritize. And I usually recommend, and this is, of course, makes it even harder, I usually recommend that we go early on with the students who are at highest risk. The problem is some of those kids are the ones who are least likely to talk to us. So it's sort of this balance between the kids who need collaborative problem solving the most and the ones who may, in fact, be least likely to talk and whose pile of unsolved problems is thick. And yet that's where I usually recommend that people start. I'd I'd rather prioritize the high-risk kids and have people struggle through doing Plan B than have people be wildly successful on kids who were talking to us anyways uh, but still have the high-risk kids left unattended to. Dr. Green, this is uh, Wilfred. Uh, I'm wondering what what your feeling would be about kids who are in another category, kids who seem to be quite readily uh, salvage, salvageable uh, and more, and just need a, a, a bit of a, of a, of a boost, uh, maybe some, like, for instance, with Connor. I mean, he's not one of our neediest kids. Even though he's been failing classes, he doesn't have huge behavior problems. He's very workable. Yep. And I think one of, one of the reasons we picked him is because we could actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. the year coming up. Um, we could see him totally taking this plan B and benefiting, turning his grades around and not having to go to summer school. And, and making a huge difference right. and being able to get on with the, you know, with going on to the next school actually, which he will be ready for if he's able to catch up with these classes. So I don't know what you think about that. As far uh, no, as prioritization goes. I must say, I'm not all that picky about who people start with. Right. <laughs> Um, bottom line is you all are sort of cutting your plan B teeth right now and who you start with matters little that you stick with it is perhaps the most important part Um, you you know you you had decent success with T better than decent success with Connor we haven't heard about the update on T yet today I'm glad here in the early phases of you all getting good at collaborative problem solving and implementing it, that you are feeling good about it, finding the time for it, starting to wonder about how you're going to expand this to other kids. All that stuff's great. Should we talk about T a little? Sure. 
How's T doing? T is T is right with us so far as acknowledging her issues. Um, we have really gotten through the empathy part, and we've uh, she agrees on on, on what uh, her her unsolved problems are. We're at a point with her though is it, it's going. She has a, an emotionally needy person. She's very very capable. She has lots of wonderfully positive qualities, <coughs> and she wants to be successful. But she has a huge anger management thing, and we've sort of identified with her part of where that's coming from. And there are some personal issues, and there's some you know things that go back in her life, and. Uh, She's done a lot of talking with myself and with with some of her teachers, and we're at a point with her where it, her needs are. I think she needs more than what we can just typically offer her through um, the, the approaches that are readily available uh, in a school. We had um, after we last spoke. This is Zena. In my classroom, I had early in the day and there was a huge blowout in my room that had nothing to do with the class. She came in angry. She was pacing around, posturing, saying she was just going to do tea and she was done with this work and done with all this stuff. And it had been social things outside of the classroom where they had built up, built up, built up. And she decided she wasn't going to try for anybody else anymore. And I don't know, I never found out all of the background behind it, but as a result of that, she became, I think she built a much better relationship with Wilfred through that because she was more than willing to go down and talk to him about it. And since she's been bringing around a behavior chart, and I think she likes the daily and every class that she's getting feedback, like positive <coughs> feedback when she does well. I think it gives her a little bit of incentive to keep going, even though she's, you know, not necessarily just looking to the teachers for that incentive, as we saw, because her breakdown had nothing to do with us this time. I, this is uh, Marisol again. Um, I think, you know, when I think of T, one of the challenges that I experience is I think about the enormous amount of resources that are going into this young lady and the amount of time that, Wilfred puts in with her, the amount of time each classroom teacher puts in with her. In addition, I am seeing her oftentimes at least twice a week. Those sessions are usually 45 minutes. Um, you know, and, and, and because she resembles so many of our kids, um, you know, that's, that's a challenge for me because she's the type of kid who seems to be an empty so often and yet requires so much to get re-energized that at times it feels overwhelming, you know. And so that's, as a social worker, that's one of my challenges is we have a lot of teas. And, and how do we, you know, try to provide that, you know, through the Plan B process and, and looking at how much how many resources are going into her on a, on a daily basis, how do we replicate that, you know, for all the teams? You know, that's, that's a challenge for me. I struggle with that. Well, and the, there's a few different potential responses to that. 
one is one no one likes, and that is um, our job. And this is not meant to be judgmental or anything along those lines, but our job is to be responsive to what's walking in the door. If we have a lot of T's walking through the door, believe it or not, sometimes, this is going to be hard to believe, sometimes that's a good thing. Because the more T's we have, and just for our listeners, T is the pseudonym for a kid in this school, T, just the letter T, um, the more it tells us that we may not have to do this totally on a case-by-case individual basis, the more T's we have, the more clear it becomes sometimes. That, And I've, I've worked with some schools on this, schools where they were telling me that two-thirds of the kids walking in the building needed Plan B. Mm-hmm. That says, That's easy. Welcome to us. Yeah. Yep. But that says something about what we're expecting when they walk in the building. Because if two thirds of the kids, and this is, you know, this is sort of an interesting topic because uh, all schools are being held to the same standard, you have to get over the same bar as a school that only has one or two T's in it. And so that's right. sort of a fascinating setup for the schools that have two thirds T's. Mm-hmm. That said, we still got to be responsive to what's walking in the door. If we if we try to, not that you guys are, but if we pretend that what's walking into the door, when when two thirds of our building is kids who need something major from us, if we try to pretend that we are a building that only has one or two kids that need something major from us, then we're not going to help the two thirds very much because we're kind of setting the bar in a spot for them that they can't get over. And then our two-thirds never goes down. But, you know, the other answer is we do it one kid and one unsolved problem at a time. Um, here's here's what I'm hearing on T. I'm hearing T being described today in very general terms. Helping T is always going to come down to one unsolved problem at a time. Mm-hmm. So we have to maintain that level of analysis it truly is one unsolved problem at a time we don't want to talk about t in general terms because then we won't know what we're working on and neither will she but i think that in general we will be describing t in much more positive terms when a month or two from now we can point back to the two or three unsolved problems that were causing her the greatest difficulty and the fact that we solved them. That's mm-hmm. when we won't be describing T in generally not-so-wonderful terms and we'll be describing T in more generally positive terms. But the way you get there is truly one unsolved problem at a time. So if we were to go back, this is me being the, um, me being the reminder Reminderer. Um, I remember some of these specific unsolved problems we were working on with T way back when she was our guinea pig, and we were just we were doing the ALSIP on T, and we were trying Plan B with T for the first time. There were kids in her class who were giving her a hard time. Mm-hmm. There were certain specific assignments that were giving her a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what I'm always listening for is what kind of headway have we made on the difficulties T was having in terms of specific unsolved problems. That's mm-hmm. always the level of analysis we want to be at. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I appreciate, actually, that feedback because I think sometimes what happens is when you feel like you've had a setback, you tend to, like, make general statements about the whole picture versus just recognizing that there was, a, you know, like a blowout or, you know, or a specific situation, but that doesn't mean that all the work that you've done has been for, for nothing. You know, I think, you know, we just have to remember that. The, um, the, you've never wasted your time doing Plan B, but I agree with you totally. If I was to paraphrase what you just said, often when we have made as less progress than we would have hoped, mm-hmm. we start going back to describing a student in general terms when, in mm-hmm. fact, the reality is we've probably got a few specific unsolved problems that still aren't solved. Mm-hmm. We have to stick with that level of analysis. What unsolved problems are we working on right now with T? Who's working on the weather? I'm bringing us right back to the Plan B flow chart. Mm-hmm. And how much progress have we made on those unsolved problems if we haven't made much, it wouldn't surprise me that we would still be talking in generally less positive terms. If we have made progress on specific unsolved problems, then it would make good sense to me that we would be describing a student in generally more positive terms, unless there was some unsolved problem that we weren't working on right now, some specific unsolved problem that popped up and caused a problem, but it wasn't one of the ones that we were working on right now. Am I making sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. It truly is the level of analysis we, uh, analysis we want to stay at, and I find this is the hardest part for schools, mm-hmm. and that is the kind of continuity and follow-up on specific unsolved problems, and the people who are trying to solve those problems with a student. If we don't have continuity and follow-up on specific unsolved problems, then we will lapse back into describing the student in either generally positive or generally negative terms. Mm-hmm. Can I make a comment? This is Zena. Of course. I think that T, we, because we had such space between our meetings with you and our meetings with her, that we kind of got stuck on the empathy step, and we didn't really know where to take it from there. Okay. And so we have a lot of the empathy part down, but we are still seeing her becoming frustrated with assignments and maybe even a greater variety of assignments as other social situations are getting to her. And we aren't really, like, we didn't ever get to develop a concrete plan for T to help her. I feel like we kind of stopped with empathy and didn't get to go beyond that. We switched over to Connor, and we had that gap where we didn't meet with her, and so we pinpointed problems with her, and she feels more comfortable talking to us, but it was, you know, we got the general behavior chart in line for her, but there wasn't anything specific to those problems that we identified as a way to help her, and that was something yeah. we were having trouble getting around when we, even when we talked, spoke with her. Well, and there's there's often an initial often, not always, an initial bump 
uh, an initial improvement in what the student looks like for having just done the empathy step, because let there be no doubt, having a student feel heard, having a student feel understood, having a student know that there are specific unsolved problems that are setting in motion her difficulties, all good, but as you're now saying, I'm just paraphrasing what you're saying, not enough. Understanding what's getting in her way better, good for us, good for her, but then we need to move on to having a specific solution to each unsolved problem. Otherwise, we are relying totally on the empathy step for improvement. And, of course, I don't have to remind you all, that's why there's more than one step to doing plan B. Empathy step, huge. Sufficient? No way. Crucial? No doubt. Enough? No. So what this says to me is, and this is, by the way, I can't tell you how common it is for us to take the time to do the empathy step and then feel good about that, have the student feeling positive about that, and we've connected with the kid and we have information. But we need to take the next two steps with T. We need specific solutions to each of the high-priority unsolved problems we were working on with T. I must say, I'm not exactly sure where the behavior chart fits into all of this, especially if the behavior chart is not a solution to any of the specific unsolved problems that are getting in T's way. I'll also say this, not, not specific to you all, it's a very common scenario. We bypass the specific unsolved problem. What we do instead is we come up with a behavior chart, and this is at every grade level, for behaviors we want the student not to exhibit. I'm, I'm going to word this delicately. We come up with a behavior chart for what we don't want the student to look like in response to the unsolved problems that we're not working on. The way to reduce the challenging behaviors is to work on the unsolved problems that give rise to them. So T needs us to go back because it sounds like we got some good information, but I want to I want to also take the input seriously, and that is, did we get stuck in the empathy step, or because we weren't sure how far where to take it next, or do we feel like we completed the empathy step and simply never moved on to the subsequent two steps of Plan B? What's your take on that? I sort of feel like we didn't know where to go from the empathy right. step. Within the empathy step or after the empathy step, I guess, is what I'm asking. At least towards the end, if not at the end. Of the empathy step. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, and we can talk about that a little. Um, I think let's, the behavior let's... chart was sort of a band-aid for us because we didn't know what else to do at that point. We identified behavior... the problem. Yep. Behavior charts are usually band-aids. Um, the problem is, you know, if the if the person is gushing blood, then the Band-Aid doesn't work very well. Not not an ideal analogy, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I think what what we're maybe feeling is that while our interactions with her in school uh, and with the, between the teachers and her in the classroom are certainly going to be potentially helpful and supportive to her that her needs go deeper than that. And we're kind of, you know, trying to, we need to figure out, I think, you know, 
where do we go from here, or maybe to whom do we refer her, that sort of thing. Uh, now, see, and I'm not ready, I don't want to, um, I'm not diminishing Teed's significant needs, but if we haven't made it past the empathy step, mm-hmm. I'm not ready to refer T anywhere. I'm ready to keep moving forward with plan B. Well, I think we have gone somewhat beyond the empathy step. I mean, we've identified with her, you know, the fact that she has extremely high standards, almost to the point of wanting to be a, trying to be a perfectionist in many ways. Okay. And uh, she is incredibly organized in her own personal life and in her her binders that she carries around, and in she she uh, that religiously keeps a diary. Uh, her apparently her her bedroom is like just impeccably uh, in order, uh, and she gets very frustrated with uh, the disorder that she sees around her in the school. Okay. Uh, she, gets, she gets very frustrated with herself for not for. I have a variety of things, including her own impatience with those around her. I mean, she got into a huge problem with with one uh, student in the cafeteria because. Um, the student was talking very, very loudly, and she was asking her to quiet down, and she paid no attention to her. And some of the other kids there asked the kid to quiet down, and they paid, she paid no attention. So in, instead of moving her to another table, she took some milk and threw it in the kid's face. And so the kid threw milk back at her, and it was this huge thing, and they ended up the security guard, you know, carrying her out of the car. She wanted to engage further, and the security guard was, was was like carrying her out of the cafeteria with her arms and legs flailing. Well, then, but she gets over that, and the next day she's back to her normal self. This is what happened when they, the meltdown she had in uh, in 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 a classroom that we we just mentioned to. Uh, you know, she was sent down to talk to me. We talked. She calmed down. She calmed down, and she got her perspective back. And you know, the next day she was uh, just just acting completely normally. So these things sort of happen, and then she somehow gets it out of her system. And So we do, we do have some kind of a handle on this, but it's like, where do we go from here? Well, I, I would start by not saying that she's getting it out of her system. Right. I would say that she's reacting the way she historically has to problems that haven't been solved yet. Right, right. And... Whenever one, whenever some sort of similar unsolved problem pops up, and you know it sounds like T's difficulties. I don't want to go general on you here because the goal is to stay specific. But T's worst occurs in response to certain unsolved problems that are related to social, and certain unsolved problems that are related to academics. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, what are the two general categories? Those are them. Mm-hmm. Now we have to get very specific within each of them. There is something that happened in the cafeteria that day that required skills of T that she had difficulty delivering on, and that's when T looks bad, just like all of us, when the environment is demanding skills that we're lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us to help her, um, obviously what we've been talking about, what we do after the fact doesn't matter as much. What we do before the fact to figure out exactly what happened and how what happened in this instance 
happens in other instances so that we can be in proactive mode. Once T has thrown milk on somebody in the cafeteria and the security guards are called, um, you know, there's only one thing we can do with that incident moving forward, and that's figure out what happened so that we can keep it from happening again. So my question would be, what did happen? Not that T needed to get something out of her system, but that something happened that demanded that T respond adaptively and she couldn't pull off adaptively. So she did what all of us do when they're having when we're having trouble responding adaptively. She responded maladaptively. Mm-hmm. The trick is to get to a finer level of detail so that we can figure out exactly what happened and come up with solutions to keep it from happening again. And I'm going to bet against our behavior chart in making that happen because what T seems to be proving to us, like most kids with behavior charts do prove to us, the behavior chart is all well and good, but the next time she's in a situation that she doesn't have the skills to handle well, the behavior chart's not going to help her at all. Yeah, it sounds to me like one of the things that we did with Connor that worked really well is that we asked him to come up with some solutions instead of saying, I, like, I'm just, for example, instead of saying, oh, we're going to set up this system for you and you're going to abide by it, like a behavior chart, we asked, we invited him to come up with solutions. Uh, and he, like um, Wilfred said, was, um, a, like, open. He, he was saying, I think I, I want to switch my seat to be, uh, away from such and such, such and such, and such and such, and closer to the board. Like, he came up with those um, solutions on his own. I think that's what made um, this so successful. Well, and I think that certainly engaging the student and thinking about solutions is huge. I think in T's case, uh, actually, I think that with Connor, something even more important happened, and that is that you all were able to get specific enough about what it was that you were hoping to generate solutions on for him to actually be able to think of solutions that might work. But in T's case, I'm not sure we've achieved that level of specificity yet. And that's why my comment when when I first heard her being talked about was, um, I still think we're being too general with T. She's either generally doing badly or generally doing well. What I'm pushing is we got to get specific again with T what exactly are we working on with her, what highly specific unsolved problems, and then we want to keep track of those unsolved problems and keep track of who's doing Plan B with her on them, where they're at in the process. Um, Then I think we're ready to engage T in thinking about some solutions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. If we're not specific, neither Connor nor T is going to be able to come up with solutions because they're not sure what they are coming up with solutions for. I think it's also when um, the problems are more academic in nature, it's easier, it just tends to seem easier to come up with solutions or for the the student to come up with solutions. Because they they know, yeah, I guess they they know what a good academic looks like, whereas when it's behavior and it's more impulsive, it's harder to identify solutions to feelings, I guess. Um, I, I must say I, there are students who I've worked with who had some good ideas about academics and students who had no clue. And there were students who had good ideas about how we could help with 
certain social difficulties that they were having and students that had no clue, I think we want to keep the conversation away from behavior and stay focused on the unsolved problems giving rise to that behavior. That's the level of analysis. So long as we're focused on milk throwing, we will lose track of what unsolved problem set in motion the milk throwing in the first place. Plus, under identical circumstances, T doesn't always throw milk. Sometimes she does something else. So we don't want to make milk throwing the topic. We want to make the unsolved problem that set in motion the milk throwing topic. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you all this because we have only a minute left, so we're going to have a rapid end to today's program. Are you all available to be doing this next Monday? Yes. Let's pick up from where we left off today. Sound like a plan, but in the meantime, let's do some homework. Let's get specific again about these unsolved problems that we're going to be working on with T, and let's, if we have time, go back to Plan B with her on those unsolved problems and see what kind of information we can get. Sound like a deal? Sounds good. Good deal. Talk to you all next week. And to those of the rest of you who are listening in on today's program, hope you found it to be useful, as always. Um, We'll be back with Anytown High School next week. Take care until then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.